Here they come. Right now, they're gathering from hospitals all across America for Talk 10 Tuesday. They know there's important news and information just ahead. Don't miss out. Come in, sit down, and log on. It's Talk 10 Tuesday with Chuck Buck and co-host Dr. Erica Reamer. Here now is the publisher of ICD-10 Monitor, Chuck Buck. Thank you, Clark Anthony. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 308th edition of Talk 10 Tuesday and brought to you today by the American Health Information Association. We know them as AHIMA. And joining me this morning is my co-host for the 2018 season premiere, and that, of course, is Dr. Erica Reamer. Good morning, Dr. Reamer. Welcome and Happy New Year. Happy belated New Year to you as well. <laughs> Thanks very much. And starting us off the new year, we're very pleased to have several of our longtime favorite panelists return to Tucked In Tuesday this morning. Joining us this morning, we're going to have nationally celebrated HIM authority, Bonnie Cassidy. Bonnie's going to be reporting on areas of learning for him and CDI professionals in 2018. Also returning is CDI expert Glenn Krause. He'll report why some CDI programs fail to effectively engage physicians. And you probably know the answer to that, right, uh, Dr. Reamer? I sure do. You engage them when you show them what's in it for them and for their patients. <laughs> Very good. And, of course, our good friend Stanley Dockerson returns with his popular RegWide segment this morning. With healthcare representing a reported 17.9% of the nation's gross domestic product, these regulations will surely dominate the news in 2018. Excellent point, Dr. Reamer, as always. And uh, here on Talk 10 Tuesday and ICD-10 Monitor, we're going to continue to report on these developing stories throughout 2018. And speaking of 2018, the World Health Organization is evolving with the times by adding a timely disorder to its list of mental health conditions in 2018. It will appear in WHO's beta draft of its upcoming ICD-11. And Talk 10 Tuesday resident psychiatrist H. Stephen Muffick is standing by to report on this most unusual diagnosis. Indeed, most unusual diagnosis is right. We have much to report this morning, and we begin at the Talk 10 Tuesday news desk, where Michelle Wazorek is standing by to report our lead story. The Talk 10 Tuesday News Desk is sponsored by ICD University Bookstore. Discover what's in store for you, like the exclusive handbook, 2018 Essentials for Clinical Documentation Integrity. It's now available at the ICD University Bookstore. Discover what's in store for you. Here now is Senior Healthcare Consultant Michelle Wazorek. Thanks, Chuck. Good morning to everybody, and it's really great to be back on Talk 10 Tuesday. I thought I'd talk a little bit on this News Desk edition about some of the things that CDI departments and coding programs might want to look at um, as we are kicking off calendar year 2018, um, and we're a full quarter into the federal fiscal year 2018, but it's never too late to really start recasting your priorities for your CDI program. Six perspectives. Um, Let's start with evolving your CDI program from more of a uh, fee-for-service or patient-centric to a population-centric model where there's more emphasis on improving the quality and accuracy of claims data that's used for risk adjustment and population health management. Second, let's look at developing a core competency in risk adjustment from both a coding and CDI perspective. This typically requires developing an understanding for how hierarchical condition categories or HCCs are used in both value-based payment models or alternative payment models by CMS. Examine how physicians and care delivery might be impacted by some of the contracting models, or if you have an ACO in your organization, how have those influenced how physicians are actually 
interacting and your organization is interacting with payers. We need to reach out to the leaders of the ACO and ask them about the confidence that they have in claims data that is being used for determining pricing, payment, and things beyond fee-for-service medicine. You might be surprised at the answer. At least I'm always surprised at how much confidence there is in claims data when I certainly don't always have that matched um, confidence in the claims data. Fourth is determine the landscape for your outpatient CDI presence. Do you require a CDI presence in clinical decision units, emergency services, and short procedure areas? These are areas that are typically left on the do not call list for CDI, but there may be opportunities to help with medical necessity documentation and denials avoidance. Length of stay is also decreasing, so therefore it's never too early to get on a um, pathway to an outpatient CDI program. Get comfortable with the impact that CDI and coding have on performance measures. Get involved with your quality department. Determine root cause of lagging performance measures. See if you really have a quality of care problem or a quality of documentation problem. And lastly, become more engaged in understanding the impact that poor documentation and clinical workflow has with some of the synchrony in documenting along with a patient care encounter. Someone really needs to pick up the mantle to help physicians use the technology that's been made available. So therefore, why not CDI picking up that mantle and helping providers? My colleagues at DHD Healthcare and I really look forward to delving more deeply into a number of the topics that I've touched on in this top six perspectives in CDI in coming weeks on ICD-10 Monitor. I encourage everybody to take a look at the article that we have out on the website uh, to get some more detail around these perspectives, but we will look at each individually over the coming weeks and months. We wish everybody the happiest, healthiest, most prosperous of 2018s, and this is a great way to start off an improved approach to clinical documentation in your hospitals. Back to you, Chuck. Thanks, Michelle, very much. That was Senior Healthcare Consultant Michelle Wazorik. Michelle is Senior Manager in the DHG Healthcare CFO Advisory Team, and you can read Michelle's excellent report in today's edition of the ICD-10 Monitor E-News. It is Tuesday, it's January the 16th, 2018, and you're listening to the 308th edition of Talk Ten Tuesday. Stand by. How do you keep pace with the speed of change in healthcare? AHIMA's coding webinars offer a timely, flexible solution to keep up with the rapid changes happening in the health information industry. Learn from well-known and respected health information experts from throughout the industry. AHIMA webinar events provide practical information and know-how to prepare you for success and ensure you're on top of your profession. Choose to interact during a live presentation, or if your schedule is tight, view one of the hundreds of ready-to-access on-demand webinars at your convenience. Browse upcoming webinars and all on-demand webinars at ahimastore.org. Now's the time for our regulatory segment here on Talk 10 Tuesdays called RegWatch, and it features healthcare industry expert Stanley Nockup said, good morning, Stanley. Stanley, Happy New Year. What's the latest coming out of Washington? Good morning, Chuck, and good morning to all of our hosts, guests, and listeners. Uh, Happy New Year to to everyone. There have been some, I would consider, major events going on regarding the healthcare regulations uh, and instructions uh, from the Department of Health and Human Services. First, uh, very importantly, towards the uh, middle of December, the uh, Unified Regulatory Agenda 
was published. This is a publication that uh, the government puts out every six months, and it indicates their intentions of which regulations to publish, which ones will be withdrawn. For the Department of Health and Human Services, especially CMS around the, the HIPAA standards, uh, there is a uh, proposal that the claims attachment proposed regulation, a standard, a national electronic standard for claims attachments, uh, will be published in August of 2018. That will be a proposed rule as suggested by, by CMS. Again, that, that's a prediction, not a guarantee, but I would say sometime uh, towards the second half of 2018, we should be looking for a proposed claims attachment standard. Uh, that's important because it certainly uh, is the additional information that can be submitted with a claim or after a claim to help justify a specific code, uh, diagnosis, or procedure code um, uh, included on the claim. So that, that's key. Now, if you recall, the president um, pledged to uh, get rid of two regulations for every new one that was published. And as a result of that, CMS is withdrawing uh, two HIPAA regulations, one the health plan identifier, the national health plan identifier. Uh, that will no longer be required, um, and they are also withdrawing the uh, health plan certification rule. That was a requirement of the Affordable Care Act that's, that uh, CMS was supposed to certify every health plan met all of the HIPAA standards, but those two regulations are withdrawn, so we're, uh, we have eliminated that, and we, we are hopefully adding the uh, the claim attachment standard as a HIPAA standard. Another thing that was published uh, by the Office of the National Coordinator um, is their trusted exchange framework. The 21st Century Cures Act uh, required that the Office of the National Coordinator and the National Institute of Standards and Technology collaborate on a set of policies to establish a trusted and voluntary framework capable of sharing health information across networks while still protecting proprietary information. The draft of that was published uh, for a public comment um, on uh, January 5th. It's available uh, at the ONC website. Um, and what it really uh, hopes to do is uh, it's got four important outcomes, enabling providers to access health information about their patients, regardless of where the patient received care, enabling patients to access their health information electronically without any special effort. Uh, thirdly, providers and payer organizations are accountable for managing benefits and the health of populations can receive the necessary and appropriate information on a group of individuals without having to access one record at a time, which is population-level data. And the health IT community will have open and accessible uh, application program interfaces to encourage um, innovation to make health information more accessible. So um, some very important outcomes. Uh, the draft is published for public comment. We'll see what go what happens there. Third item I'd just like to mention is that Dr. Moffitt will be talking a little bit about the a draft ICD-11 code. And from a regulatory perspective, people should not panic about ICD-11. Uh, we are probably a good uh, eight to 10 years away from ICD-11 being required uh, or adopted as a replacement for ICD-10. So please keep focusing on ICD-10. Let's not worry about ICD-11 for, for quite a while. Uh, Chuck, back to you. Thanks for the opportunity to uh, inform all of our listeners about what's going on.
Thanks, Stanley, very much. That was Stanley Nockerson. Stanley is the founder of Nockerson Advisors, LLC. Thank you very much. Here now with the Talk 10 Tuesday CDI report is Glenn Krauss. Good morning, Glenn. Welcome to the program. Yeah, good morning, Chuck. Thank you very much. For those in the CDI industry, we, are, we recognize the critical importance of the physician buy-in and participatory engagement in any CDI initiative to ensure success in the program. The usual process to engage physicians in the program is to take a sincere vested interest in the program is to focus upon outcomes measures predicated upon complete and accurate reporting of all relevant diagnoses associated with patient care. And we're quite familiar with these. Uh, we prim- primarily focus on diagnosis impact and reimbursement or quality, CCMCC, principal diagnosis selection, as well as selection of uh, severity of illness, risk of mortality reporting, and expected versus observed mortality measures to name a few. While I'm certainly not downplaying the importance of capturing these elements of documentation, the outcome measures utilized in presenting physicians on patient complexity, risk of mortality, physician profiling, are quite intangible. They're kind of subjective for physicians to often grasp when they're wrestling with so many numerous competing forces in the practice of medicine. How best to engage physicians as willing participants and truly wanting to learn about, become more proficient and consistently integrate sound principles of CDI into their practice of medicine? I have an article that appeared in today's ICT-10 monitor, and I encourage you to read it, where I outline a real case study representing the effective means of sharing documentation tools and techniques for physicians. And a common example of our query process is the debriefment procedures, whether they're uh, excisional or non-excisional, in the hopes of clarifying whether it is operating room versus non-operating room. And this has been going on for some time. So what's missing from my chart review and generation of the query is really the level of documentation required for the physician to demonstrate the services rendered for the patient's needs at the time. Thorough documentation of the patient's condition, the services rendered, and the reason for the services is so important for establishing medical necessity and accurate reflection and reporting of effectiveness of treatment, outcomes, plan of care, value, and measures of efficiency, not to mention value. There's a whole cadre of documentation elements that must be included when performing a debriefment procedure, including an accurate description of the wound, <clears throat> excuse me, size of the wound, history of the wound, any previous treatments and why they may have failed, control and status of the comorbid conditions such as diabetes or congestive heart failure, plans for further care, not to mention diagnoses. All this information is, is and more is spelled out in the LCD for debriefment, which I've included in my article. Here's a key point that physicians must include in their documentation of debriefment. So if they miss and miss, and I quote this, if there's no necrotic, devitalized, fibrotic, or other tissue or foreign matter present in the wound that interferes with the wound healing, the debriefment service is not medically necessary. So really, I want to close by saying it's, it's not just about the hospital getting paid. It's about the physician and helping them with their documentation and helping with the patient. So uh, once again, take a, take a look at my article, and that's what I have for today on today's show. Thanks, Glenn. That was Glenn Krauss. Glenn is the Managing Director of Clinical Services for Precision Health Systems. Chuck? Thank you, Dr. Reamer. And Glenn, thanks very much, and congratulations, of course, on your new company, Precision Health Systems. And by the way, as Glenn said, you can read his excellent article on this very subject in today's edition of the ICD-10 Monitor E-News. 
Nationally celebrated HIM authority, Bonnie Cassidy, returns to Talk 10 Tuesday this morning, and she offers this prescient analysis of the hymn landscape in 2018. Here now is Bonnie Cassidy. Good morning, Bonnie. Good morning, Chuck, and thank you, everyone. I would say, along with all of the distinguished panelists today, everything is focused on the clinical documentation integrity. So now is the time, very exciting in our history Where there is confusion in the industry, we know there's opportunity for health information management and CDI. And I think it's important, as you've heard about all the approaches and the different requirements and standards, there is no roadmap to success in this area. So there's only one or two technology enablers that are really going to assist. So I think it's everyone carving out what they think the roadmap that's best for their organization. So given the confusion... HIM and CDI can assess their own organizational needs and really get started with physician office work. I think getting out of the inpatient care mode and seeing the opportunities in the physician office, physician education, everything you heard Michelle mention about CDI, we need CDI querying of the physicians. Each provider organization is different. So again, there's no right or wrong. Given those initiatives and obligations, workflow and staffing, you can create your own roadmap for success within your organization. But as you've heard all the different panelists mention today, you have to learn all these different reimbursement models. It's not intuitive. We have to take the time to know what are the clinical documentation requirements, what are the quality requirements for monitoring. So really reaching out to understand what payer contracts you have in your organization, and how much risk-adjusted reimbursement is involved because you have to have the coding. So creating your CDI program to target these areas in a concentrated effort for clinical documentation accuracy will really be your key to success. We have to also understand the technology that we have. Each of the organizations has made a tremendous, significant investment in technology in the past few years. So we must know it, we must embrace it. We've got to know the strengths and weaknesses, thinking about the clinical documentation, authentication, where are the the risks involved in understanding how that documentation is created and then how we're using it for coding. So HIM professionals play a critical role to ensure the compliance aspect. So thinking about that clinical documentation with the legal mandates to really have what is the, what are the relevant things that we have to assure in privacy and security of this information if we're using it as we are for reimbursement and for monitoring quality and the entire patient consumerism effort. So embracing information governance means really understanding what are the EHR standards that exist in the industry but what are the ones that are actually monitored or required? We have a lot of standards, but they're not required. So understanding what those are, creating your own portfolio of that, what are the standards, what do we need to monitor? And then in that effort, what's securing the Internet? Where are we with cybersecurity and breach management? All of these things are outlined uh, in my article today, but just a, a snippet of what are these things that we should be embracing The focus is on patient experience and consumerism, and that also includes the entire initiative to value-based reimbursement. And as you heard everyone talking about today, 
to pay for value is going to continue. So take advantage of knowing what those requirements are, know the contracts that you have in your organization, listen to all these webinars that we have, a tremendous portfolio of information that we have with all of these ICD-10 monitor articles is tremendous as you learn what are these requirements, especially taking a look at understanding, do you have Medicare Advantage contracts? What are the HCC requirements? How are you doing with physician education? Are you even querying physicians in the physician office setting? So tremendous opportunity as we look ahead. And 10 years ago, we were at one of the AHIMA national conventions and the HIM professionals at that annual meeting were really challenged to continue to lead and make their efforts larger, louder, and faster. And we're there today. HIM professionals have made tremendous progress, but once again, I believe we're really called to be larger, louder, and faster as HIM can view 2018 and really make that a call for victory and prove to the industry the value of health information management. Thanks, Bonnie. That was Bonnie Cassidy. Bonnie is a leading HIM executive advisor, focusing her efforts on advancing clinical documentation integrity, risk-adjusted reimbursement, and health information governance. Chuck? Thank you, Dr. Reamer. And Bonnie, thanks very much. And by the way, Bonnie was the recipient of the 2014 Distinguished Member Triumph Award that uh, she received at AHIMA. I was there. I saw Bonnie receive the award. It was quite a nice experience to be part of that uh, experience. And you can read Bonnie's excellent article in today's edition of the ICD-10 Monitor E-News. At the top of the broadcast, we mentioned that the World Health Organization, the WHO, has added an unexpected disorder to its list of mental health conditions in 2018. Of course, we heard Stanley say, we don't have to worry about ICD-11 until 2030, perhaps. But it's going to appear in the WHO's beta draft of the upcoming ICD-11. Here now to reveal the nature of this disorder is talked into the resident psychiatrist, Dr. H. Stephen Moffick. So good morning, Dr. Moffick. Uh, first of all, were you surprised to learn about this new disorder, and what is this new disorder? Well, Chuck, it was sort of like an unexpected Christmas gift that you're not sure if you like or not. So let's put us in a state of mind back to the night before Christmas. It was the night before Christmas when all through the house the children were anxious, and so was a mouse. Then the hour arrived to open their present, and lo and behold, the video game seemed to be heaven sent. Then the clock struck 11.25, and the parents took the time to read the Forbes reporter, who wrote that gaming is to be deemed an ICD-1011 addictive psychiatric disorder. The parents began to panic, searching Google like they were manic. They had thought that gaming was just fun. Now they were feeling undone. Then came Christmas Day, and Newsweek confirmed the way that video gaming could be bad, making children lonely, anxious, and sad. Even so, these children said, so, so, so. Santa said, ho, ho, ho. Their parents said, oh, oh, oh. And this psychiatrist said, whoa, whoa, whoa. Once again, I had a sigh of relief, for my wife had had the belief that our son should not have it in Nintendo so many years ago. Yet, what do you know? You reap what you sow. We couldn't later prevent it. He now loves each Apple gadget. So what does this all mean? Is this disorder as dire as it seems? Well, gaming is okay in moderation. That I can say without hesitation. It is only a question of who controls who. Do you control the gaming, or does it control you? Hours a day, for months on end, or just say, friendly competition with a friend. 
to not spoil the kids' fun in the new year just begun, try to find a way to limit social media to less than two hours a day. Warn them of other perils. Sexting, pornography, and bullying can turn out terrible. While using computers for learning and to say hello, that's the way to go, go, go. But if they trick you like a fox, there's always ways to detox. With the help of a therapist, they'll find out what they have missed. Dare I even mention that I hope this poem got your attention for an ongoing challenge that will acquire the best of our knowledge. So we close with a New Year's resolution to follow this solution. Stay tuned to each Talk 10 Tuesday show for it will teach you what you need to know. <laughs> Thank you very much, Dr. Moffick. That was nationally prominent psychiatrist Dr. H. Stephen Moffick, who he's also an award-winning author, and this morning he was channeling Dr. Seuss. Thanks again, Dr. Moffick, very, very much. We're proud that he's tucked in Tuesday's resident psychiatrist, and you can see why. Now is the time for a very popular segment here on Talked In Tuesday called Talk Back. Once again, here's Dr. Reamer. Chuck, I'm very sorry, but my Talk Back isn't going to be nearly as entertaining as that piece just was. And I do want to make a comment that I am really glad we don't have to worry about ICD-11 uh, ICD yet because that's basically my hard retirement date. I have decided I am not learning ICD-11. I'm, I'm done at ICD-10. Um, what I do want to talk about a little bit is Michelle's piece and commentary because uh, I thought it was really good. Um, I want to remind our listeners that this is not our first risk adjustment rodeo. The DRG system is the original risk adjustment model. The population-based HCC model is the newcomer, and I completely agree that 40% of the medical conditions, which did not interest us previously because they were really neither CCs nor MCCs, are going to need to be attended to. So I believe that moving uh, CDI into the outpatient uh, setting is uh, uh, basically inevitable. Um, I love the concept of CDI leveraging technology and making documentation precision a priority over documentation volume. I tell my providers all the time, substance is more important than length. Um, I do want to actually share with you all my, new, my personal New Year's resolutions. I'm going to divert some energy and attention to figuring out how CDI programs can integrate and facilitate documentation, which demonstrates how sick patients are upon admission, because I think that meeting medical necessity requirements is really important. It's the red line. If you don't pass it, everything else is superfluous. And if you talk about um, making sure that you have physician engagement, if it gets to the point where they can deny their um, professional fee if medical necessity is not met, they're going to start paying attention to medical necessity. This also dovetails with Michelle's call to have a CDI presence in the clinical indecision units, emergency departments, and short procedure areas. I think that they're going to be um, welcomed and more and more vital uh, as we go ahead. My personal resolution is to find balance in my life between Talk 10 Tuesdays, my consulting responsibilities, and my private life. We should all consider eating better, exercising more, and unplugging more often. And I had that in my little speech before I even heard Dr. Moffick. Um, I think you should put down your smartphone at meals, Get a Fitbit and take a walk when the Fitbit commands you to. Meditate for a few minutes each day, even if you have to use an app. Let the people around you know you appreciate them and love them. Chuck, 
I'd like to let you know that I appreciate all you do for the CDI community and for me. Thank you, Emily. Thank you, all listeners, for listening, and happy and a healthy new year to everyone. Wow, thank you very much, Dr. Reamer. That was wonderful. And uh, by the way, Dr. Reamer is a prolific writer, and you can read all her excellent articles in the news section of the ICD Monitor E-News. That's going to be a wrap for this edition. I know we have a lot of questions. I can't remember. We're going to try to answer those questions uh, offline. And a program on lawn, and I'll let you know that uh, Rose Dunn, the very popular Rose Dunn, is going to be here on February the 20th. She's going to be talking about ICD-11, even though it's not coming around until about 2030, as uh, Stanley had said to us earlier. This is the 308th edition of Talk Tuesday. Dr. Reamer and I want to thank our guest today, Bonnie Cassidy. Thanks, Bonnie. Glenn Krauss. Dr. H. Stephen Moffick, who is doing Dr. Seuss' great piece this morning. Thank you again. Stanley, thank you for your plethora of news this morning. And Michelle Rosorik, thanks for being with us. And we look forward to being with you again next Tuesday for another edition of Talk to Tuesday. Thanks again. Talk 10 Tuesday is a production of ICD-10 Monitor.